Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here, checking out this episode. Uh, you know the drill. If you like what you hear, uh, hit that subscribe button. I put three new interviews out every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists. Discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. You can do so at Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Acast, Podchaser, uh, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm talking to one of my buddies, Mr. Mike Doty. He's back with a new project called Ghost of Vroom. Uh, this is an album, and a band name actually, that features a sound that harkens back to his 90s band, Soul Coughing. And there's a reason for that. He'll tell us about uh, how the project traces back to him actually trying to reunite Soul Coughing before all of those talks fell apart. And the, even in the name itself, Ghost of Vroom recalls uh, Soul Coughing's debut album, Ruby Vroom. So we're going to be doing a lot of back and forth, hopping back from the 90s to the present day, some compare and contrast. We're going to discuss his knack for injecting jazz into this sample-based weird music and the poetry that gave him his style. And, and in fact, uh, speaking of other parts of uh, Soul Coughing, this year happens to be the 25th anniversary of Irresistible Bliss, the album that featured the uh, big breakthrough hit Super Bon Bon. So, of course, we're going to be talking about that as well. And some of his plans uh, upcoming that involve an apocalyptic rock opera, I think he says. So let's do this. It's Kyle Meredith with Mike Doty talking about Ghost of Vroom. What's doing, Kyle? How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's so great to see you. And you've got so much going on, as always. This yes. time around, I should point out first, you, you've just released a second uh, book, which, uh, but I want to promote that at least. I die each time I hear the sound. But we're going to be talking about a brand new record under the band name of Ghost of Vroom. Yes, Ghost of Vroom. It's me and uh, and Andrew Scrap, 
Livingston, and it's sort of a vibe that uh, harkens back to soul coughing. Uh, in fact, I, I wrote this record and went to soul coughing and asked them if they wanted to do it, mm -hmm. and they said no. So, hence me and Scrap are ghost of room. Yeah, and and that that was brought up. So the last time you and I talked, it was about the anniversary of Eloso. Was one of the things yeah. we talked about, and you told me that that you had reached out to the guys. Yes. And, and it was even surprising to you that the one that you hit it off most with was Sebastian. It was the other two guys that it sort of fell apart, right? Yeah. So Sebastian and I are doing all right. Um, uh, but uh, man, it was, uh, you know, not to like go too dark, but it was crazy. Like, like it was a, you know, I mean, soul coughing was, was one of the most, uh, literally insane bands uh, of all time, I think, and uh, it it was just nuts. It was it was just it was totally nuts. And so that led to this record with Ghost of Room, which you know, for, for those who don't know, that stretches back to the uh, the debut record Ruby Room, right? So I guess I guess that's the question though. Why 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 go in that direction again? What what brought that on? What put you in this you know mind frame to do this music? Well, I first should point out that Ghost of Room was a working title uh, for a dub version of the first Soul Coughing album. Um, we made Ruby Room, and then my idea was that we would make the dub version, Ghost of Room, which was named after a, um, a Burning Spear album called Garvey's Ghost, mm -hmm. which was uh, the, the dub version of their album, uh, Marcus Garvey. But then um, the, just a bunch of different threads came together. I was writing uh, upright bass lines, mostly because I was I was writing on my phone on GarageBand. And the only sound I liked was the upright bass sound. Uh, then um, so I do this Patreon thing where I do a new song every week. And, uh, you know, I'm just always started, you know, it's a it's a lot of songs. So I'm always like fiending for new ways to approach a new song. And I just started looking up the old classic break beats, um, you know, and like, like ripping them off of uh, YouTube and looping them. And that was very foundational to soul coughing. Then uh, I'd been sort of messing around with some rappers, just jamming with them, like having them over in the studio and, you know, putting up beats and uh, listening to them. And uh, I uh, started like envying that um, the adaptability of rapping. And so I, you know, I'm not a rapper. I have, you know, I'm sort of like a Tom Waits influenced subterranean homesick blues influenced slam poetry plus, you know, early nineties hip hop, you know, uh, uh, a KRS one ripper offer five, Fife Dog Ripper Offer, uh, Blendo. And so I started doing that again. And, um, you know, people started pointing out to me that what I was doing sounded like soul coughing. Um, so it was this uh, extremely organic uh, evolution into this thing. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like um, I, I had a premeditated uh drive to to go back into an old sound i mean i've i've never done that i've always you know often much to the consternation of my audience just gone after whatever i find most interesting in the moment 
in, in, but it does, it does harken back to that. I mean, all the stuff that you're saying in, in that music, I, um, you know, listening to it, it, it did get me thinking about the specific reasons why I loved soul coughing back then. And it was two oh. things that you brought up. It was the sample based thing uh, in the breakbeats because that was something, you know, it was almost like a treasure hunt if you wanted to, even if you could never find what that obscure thing was, it was sort of still right. there. And the other thing was that jazz based thing. And you're talking about the upright, like, these are two things I do feel has not had a chance to have a resurgence. And I think it's a, it's a thing that the, the younger generation just has no clue. Like sampling means something completely different now. And the idea of putting jazz in a widely say alternative based music, like that was cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great sound. And we are unique in that Scrap actually plays a cello and plays upright bass on a cello. So it's sort of like sound, it's the, the, the sound is akin to the, the weird like electric uh, upright bass that was used on Fania salsa records in the seventies. It's got more like a, like a funka funka than a boom, boom, boom. Um, and the songs are written idiomatically for the cello. So they're all in C, D and D sharp, but yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's a, beautiful sound uh, you know it's you know my 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 favorite bass sound so having scrap do this did was it natural for him as it was for you did was there conversation going okay we're we are sort of doing this thing i mean did he have to follow your lead or was that just him doing his thing that was just him doing his thing i mean the album is um gene coy plays drums and I, uh, but the rest is me and Scrap um, just going nuts on every instrument in Mario Caldado Jr.'s house, you know, and he has, you know, a bunch of different keyboards. And so, you know, uh, we put down, you know, the, the bass and drums with a vocal and then I do a guitar and then Scrap would do uh, like a Hammond B3 organ and then a piano. And then I would do some weird little machine laying around Mario's studio and then there'd be a clavinet. And so we just throw throw all this stuff in, plus weird noises on uh, on the cello, which he does these kind of super high harmonic scratchy sounds that are super abstract and, and wonderful. And then I I got out a sampler and played it um you know it wasn't like looped uh samples it, you know play it sort of like a mellotron it's like triggering sound effects oh you get so and the, the cool sounds like are all throughout these songs i i do notice also there's like there's so many of the songs that end with this completely other section it seems of music i guess the yes we call them the dreams, the dreams at the end of the songs. And every song has a dream. And this is going to be a ghost of room trademark. Um, what happened was after one song, Scrap was like, I wrote this like weird little imitation Chopin thing that has nothing to do with the song, but I want to put it at the end of Revelator. And so I was like, all right, check it out. And then we just did all these... Um, uh, one thing that we did is we, we um, recorded a couple of spam voicemails like we record we like the one is on uh, one of the songs is based around um, a guy saying he's Donnie Farmer from the IRS and that we have to call as soon as possible. Uh, then there's another one that we actually to, to, it was in uh, Mandarin and to translate it we held one phone up to the uh the google translate on another phone 
And it's this lady saying, like, you need to call the Chinese consulate as soon as possible. There's a problem with your passport. Um, you know, and there's other samples from weird places. And um, yeah, so so e each song goes into this otherworldly place after the conclusion of the song part of the song. OK, so so you've sort of answered another one of my questions. And and it sounds like it's coincidence, because when I started listening to it, you know, of course, I'm kind of looking for you know, some common threads, you know, tying the, and I started going, is there a government thing sort of happening here? Is there a, a, a financial thing sort of happening here? I mean, you've got the, uh, the James, uh, uh, James Jesus Angleton. Is, it, is that how you say it? Angleton. James yeah, Jesus Angleton. Angleton. Yeah. And, and that just kind of backed up that whole, is there a thing happening here? Or was that just coincidence? Uh, I mean, certainly it's a politically fraught time to make uh, an, an album. The last sound on the album is a voice looped backwards doing a, a segment of um, the, the W.B. Yeats poem, The Second Coming, which is about the apocalypse. James Jesus Angleton is about the, the head of the CIA uh, in the 60s. Um, yeah, and then we got our man Donnie Farmer from the IRS. So, yeah, I guess, I guess there's there's all kinds of apocalyptic financial political themes in there. The apocalypse. This is something that a lot of artists are kind of looking. To. I, I found that you know, for artists who are writing about sort of in this kind of reflection, I should say, it's either apocalyptic or they're just writing about space. Like, let me get as far away as possible. <laughs> you know, that seems to be the thing. Hey, Amen. It's uh, I, I, I got to write some songs about space, I guess. I, I feel like I'm <laughs> behind the curve. Bridgem, apocalyptic space. I don't think anyone's exactly there done that go. one yet. There you so. go. It's time. Well, I actually wrote a, a, a rock opera based on the Book of Revelation that I staged for uh, WNYC in New York like five years ago. And there's a song called Revelator on, uh, on the album that uses some... Um, like apocalyptic lines from gospel songs and uses some actual scripture from St. James, from the, you know, the, the, um, the King James translation of, of the book of revelation. Um, so I, you know, I, I mean, I guess it begins with iron maiden when I was in middle school, but I've always been fascinated with uh, the biblical apocalypse. Yeah. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. And that song too, I mean, you don't do, it's not a cover, John the Revelator, but that's, I mean, lots of musicians have tackled that. Uh, yes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. So, so what you did to it was completely unique. I mean, could you talk a little bit more about that one specifically? Because it is a high point for me on the record. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been trying to... So I'm going to do another version of Revelation at some point. Um, and it's going to be... There's going to be more songs. So I started working on 
you know, more, a more songy song for the rock opera. Um, and that's what it turned out to be. And since it's a very, it's very general and doesn't fit into like a specific place in the narrative of revelation, um, I brought it to ghost of room. Well, it's, it's one of those moments in there that among many, I, you know, like, um, more bacon than the pan can handle. Uh, <laughs> yes. now, I've heard that one before this record. I don't know if you did that live or did, I mean, why have I heard that? I, I, Cause that's been out there. I, yeah. I used the sample on a song on, um, uh, yes. And also, yes, okay. no on golden delicious. Gotcha. So, yeah. so yeah, that, that's where it comes from. That's yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, God, there's, Southern culture had too much pork for just one fork, and I'm pretty sure that's the, uh, the marriage <laughs> of songs right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. As you're looking back, and and again, in in the way that you are, and I don't want to paint it that this is a nostalgic record because it is not. Um, but as we kind of find those parallels between this and and the old version of uh, of what you did in Soul Coughing, what did that mean lyrically? Because like you've talked about it before, you had this amazing poetry teacher uh, that you learned. Yes. Steku Sundiata was my poetry teacher when I was, oh gosh, 19 years old, going to the new school in New York. And uh, he was just all about being the most authentic version of yourself. And, you know, gosh, that sounds a bit live, laugh, love uh, when I put it that way. But um, it was about it was about finding something in your core and, and to find a style that you could kind of articulate and that would be unmistakably yourself, you know. And he also was he also was all about stealing. Conversely, he was like, steal everything, steal what you want. Um, in the same uh, poetry class, Ani DeFranco was was uh, my co-student in there. And so he's he's an influential guy. Um he, uh, you know, he certainly changed my life. But it, it, do you credit him with giving you your unique style of lyrics? Because there's no, you, no one else sounds like, has ever sounded like what you do exactly. There, there's like the Beastie Boys over here and Beck over here, but none of the three of you sound like each other. That's about the only right. two other artists that I would put anywhere in the camp of what you do, though. Right. I mean, he... I guess he encouraged me to be as weird as possible. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I was sounding very much like my influences. I mean, he, uh, he never would have used the word and I hate the word, but he was kind of about having a brand, Um, you know? And so for me, it was like, you know, uh, kind of Alan Dugan plus rappers plus Raymond Chandler kind of noir stuff. Tom Waits and synthesizing that into something that was, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I very much listen to uh, rock music and it all sounds like nonsense to me. So like going directly into super bizarre sound poetry nonsense did not seem that weird to me, but everybody, um, you know, I mean, I, half the rock songs of the 90s um i mean my my favorite line is i don't believe that anybody feels the way i do about you now (laughs) and you know it's like nobody questioned that guy 
uh, about about you know being nonsensical, and somehow my thing was was uh, seen as like this super arty avant garde, you know, noise poetry vibe. But it came around at such the perfect time. I've been looking back specifically at a point in the early 90s, from the early 90s to that mid 90s point, where the culture of weird just exploded. Yes. You know, it, it exploded in all types of art, you know, animation. I've got Ren and Stimpy behind me over here. That was one of uh -huh. the great things. And what happened with, you know, nighttime on places like MTV and all that. But the music, too, just like what it would have been compared to before. I, that's what I'm using weird, you know, as the as the pedestal on. And, and this certainly fit into that. Were you aware of that? Did it feel like at, at the time, like, hey, man, you know, lunatics in the asylum, you know, all of that? I mean, I I was... I mean, I, I wasn't arrogant. I was just stupid enough to think that people in the mainstream would want to listen to this. And it never it never occurred to me that that this was kind of too, you know, edgy or, you know, out of left field. So I just pursued it as if I was making uh, pop records. And, um, you know, it was, you know, it was a time in which like, Remember the squirrel nut zippers? Mm -hmm, absolutely. They were like like a Duke Ellington esque, like you know, like uh, like jungle swing band, like sort of circa nineteen thirty five band, and they had a huge hit. And uh, even like even like living la vida loca. I mean, what a weird thing with the spy guitar and the you know like that kind of stuff. Um, to you know, presidents of the United States of America and back and um you know it i i sort of stumbled into an extremely fertile time for weirdness without considering how lucky i was um and i guess these days i'm not trying to be weird but i am trying to be different from everything else you know so like everything is really in tune i try and be really out of tune you know everything is really smooth i try to be really rough you know, like I, I just, you know, I, I probably would own a larger home if uh, if I, you know, paid more attention to being like things than being unlike things. But whenever I hear stuff, I just, you know, even if I love it, I, I just said, like, I want to be completely different from that. What can I do to be, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, not uh, what is it? WWJD. What would Jesus do? But w-w-n-e-d what would nobody else do <laughs> it served you really well it served you yeah well. it, yeah it has yeah i'm the only professional me that i'm aware of <laughs> is is that the title is that the headline right there of the yeah uh, there yes <laughs> absolutely me. um i will point out as we as we talk about that stuff from the 90s just because it's the anniversary year and that's what i like to do it's the 25th of irresistible bliss this year yeah that's right it is so it i don't is. know if you of course you know touring is out the window and that's what you've done through most of this stuff but but you have been able to celebrate uh, the other records in that way is there any way that you sort of tie that into what you're doing here because we point out Ruby Vroom was great. It set the stage. Irresistible Bliss looked like the explosion happened, you know, with, with songs like Super Bon Bon. So what? A yeah, I mean, it had, it, had, it had the 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 radio hit on it, you know, which is which comes back periodically. It was in that Michael Jordan documentary. Right. Um, I that was yeah. True. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the I guess the cornerstones of, of um, 
what I do for a living, you know? Yeah, you end up naming a, a greatest, what is it, a re-recording greatest hits off of it, right? So is it yeah, well, Circle so Super Bomb Bond, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I was just, um, for that, I, I was just, I was going to do a tour of all Soul Comic songs because mm-hmm. I hadn't played any in about a decade. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked to my agent and he was like, to do a tour, you really need to put something out, you know, as like a flyer for the tour. You know, there has to be some kind of album release. So I did a crowdfunding campaign to, to get money to do the album and the crowdfunding campaign just exploded, um, which is how I think there's a couple of things on that album that are amazing. I think um, the version of how many cans mm. um, and the version of, uh, of um, uh, sleepless. I think, I think those are really great. So if I could redo that album, it would be a 45 right um but you know I, 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 you know i called it the name of the album was circles super bomb on st louis a list of the 13 songs on the album because you know i i didn't want it to be mike doty sings the 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 you know the all-time best of soul coughing or whatever right. uh which I, I do have around here somewhere well it's out of reach unfortunately i do have this back here i should have shown this at the beginning of it this is oh uh, yeah this is what there we're looking go. at with the ghost of room right here yep which, you know, I hear the axe swing. And by the way, one of the coolest sounding songs uh, every single oh. time it comes on WFBK. I love that. And I also want to ask really quickly about another song on here while I'm thinking about it. What does Beat Up Born mean? Oh, I don't know. Beat Up Born, where I come from. Um, I, I It's one of, like, I write a lot of things that I, I, I put in, like, sort of filler words. You know, like rather than, you know, some singers do like blah, blah, na, na, la, la, whatever. But I put like actual words in there, you know, and sort of figure out what the, you know, what the weird little kind of half melody things I'm doing sounds like. And sometimes it sticks and there's just no sensible alternative to the nonsense version. And that's that's one of them. Well, you've created some kind of phrase that I'm going to figure out how to use one way or the other. So please do. Please, man. (laughs) You know, I'm such a big fan of what you do. It's so awesome to hear this music that you're doing here. It's very exciting. It's very not like what anybody else is doing. So you did it. Congratulations. There you go. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm fucking old man. Sorry about the curse. Uh, you know, old man just being as weird as he possibly can. Yeah, Keep doing that, please. I will. Indeed, I will. I mean, I got the, the, the next ones written and we're going in with Mario as soon as uh, as everybody's got their their double jab done. Um, you know, we're doing the exact same thing. You know, I had a prolific pandemic. Yeah, awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing that too. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Kyle. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Mike Doty, as always. Again, uh, Ghost of Room Volume 1 is out now. And and for what it's worth, I've done so many interviews with Mike Doty in the past that I could not include them all here. It would be like a five-hour file, and uh, and I just don't think the, uh, the the podcast gods would would quite allow that. But uh, search wherever you, you get your stuff from. Uh, you can find our previous uh, talk when we did the El Oso anniversary, or you can jump on YouTube and search Kyle Meredith, Mike Doty, and you'll find a handful of our interviews that we've done over the past decade as well. Uh, always great time talking with Mike. Thank you so much for taking that time, and thank you for listening to 
Again, you can subscribe to the Kyle Meredith with podcast at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, NPR, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcasts from and look for three brand new interviews every single week. After that, head over to WFPK.org where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, uh, TikTok at Kyle Meredith 81 uh, Please like and follow along in the appropriate places. Say hi when you do. Always great to hear from uh, wherever you're listening from. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Shit, fuck. Oh, dang it. We're having fun. Having fun. Looking for my headphones. This is the thing. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.